This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the European Show. I'm your host Mo Stewart. It's the first one of the season where we divulge exactly what's happened across European football. Now, the Bundesliga may have already started, but it'll be a surprise of no one that the biggest story in European football right now is still Barcelona, the soap opera that never ends. So we decided we're going to do a little Barcelona special here because there's so much to get through. And who better to talk about <laughs> Barcelona? Well, I was going to say a man who's forgotten more about Barcelona than I know, but I'm not sure he's forgotten me. <laughs> Gabriel Quiroga of the Barca Talk podcast. Gab, welcome to the show. I want to ask you first a general question because there is so much that's happening. As I say, we said at the moment, we're talking about players deferring contracts, potentially illegal contracts, uh, pay, pay disputes, players who may be coming in, players who may not be coming in, players who may not be leaving, players who may not be registered. So I just want to ask you, how are you feeling right now? I'm uh, a little confused, Mo. That's, that's for sure, for sure. Especially uh, Sunday night coming off a preseason match where everyone had very positive feelings. And literally 12 hours later in the morning, wake up to hear the news of these illegal contracts that are coming out. And, you know, as you, as you highlighted before, the drama never starts, you know, with this team. You know, there's always something. And, you know, just in the past 10 days with this Frankie de Young situation and contracts and money, it's just crazy. It's it's completely crazy. And I try to, you know, get my head around it. And I need, you know, like in the movie Big Short, where they do the explanation, yes. I need like five of those videos because I'm still confused, you know, and I'm, I'm supposed to be an inside person in this knowledge. And I still don't have all the answers, Mo. It's, it's so strange to think about because when you look at what is actually happening, it's not just um, Frankie de Jong's situation. What it is, is the previous regime, when they agreed to defer their contracts. Because this is the other thing we need to mention as well. It was classed as a pay cut, but really it was just kicking the money down the road. It wasn't actually a pay cut. But when these deals were done, it was for uh, PK, Clement Longley, De Jong, and uh, I think Ter Stegen was the fourth. That's correct. That's correct. Um, Essentially, what they did, the, the agreements that they made with the previous regime may not have been legal. Now, obviously... There was a sign where Barcelona, the current regime, are still trying to unravel a lot of messes from the previous regime. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But the timing of this, particularly with Frankie de Jong dragging his heels, I think it's fair to say, on a departure, the idea that Barcelona would threaten to, I don't know, maybe punish themselves for something that they've done in order to get a player to leave. It just... I remember back in the days when more than a club from Barcelona really meant something. Now, what it seems to mean is it's more than a club. It's just a business. For sure. You you took the words out of my mouth because in this week's episode for Barca Talk, I was going to talk about this theme of Mesa and Club, right? More than a club and what has happened and been tarnished with these presidencies that have come in and you know, as we joke around in our Barca community, you know, democracy is good, but then a lot of democracy is not good. You know, it's sometimes it's just nice to have one owner and one general sporting director for a lot of time, you know, as opposed to the turnover that we send, we tend to have in Barca uh, every four years, it seems like. But yeah, you're right. You're completely right. And this idea of, you know, putting Frankie de Jong on the forefront of this to have him pushed out is crazy to me because, you know, if you're a professional athlete, 
you honor the contract and the club's never really loyal to you 100%. You know, we're seeing this, you know, Mo, you know, you know, you and I love NBA and I just always cannot not compare to the NBA, you know, not only with the salary cap issues, but also this player movement, this player empowerment that we're seeing. And Frankie Young, you know, his dream was to play in Barcelona and all of a sudden, you know, he's deferred the money and all of a sudden we're saying that's not good enough. Uh, you need to do more. And to me, it, it's asking way too much. It's not his fault that Barcelona is in this financial ruins. You know, it's not the player's fault. And also his contract alone is not the tipping point that's going to ruin Barcelona. I mean, we have to keep that in track, especially with all these signings that have happened this offseason. You know, I've been wanting to be more pragmatic this offseason. I said we should sign one to two players, if that. Just weather this storm for one to two seasons and then start to ramp up a little bit. But no, we're we're basically, as I talked about, like the big short, we're basically taking these credit lines and trying to get this money just so we can be competitive. And also the players that we got, you know, I'm excited, but at the same time, it does not guarantee success mm. for La Liga or Champions League. No. Okay. So let's talk about these economic levers as they're now being <laughs> called, because this is a very interesting part. Essentially, the way that the the FFP works in Spain as opposed to England. In England, if you go over the limit, you get fined. In Spain, mm-hmm. they just don't let you go over the limit. You just can't register the players. So yeah. you need to find short, uh, quick ways of making a lot of revenue in order to get above the salary cap. So what Barcelona have been doing, they've been selling um, uh, percentages of the TV rights, but That's also right. uh, percentages of the whole of the commercial arm. And this is the thing that I find most interesting. Because if you look across European football and world football in general, the bigger clubs are increasing that in commercial arm. Particularly some of the things Barcelona did in terms of having their own TV studios, all that kind of stuff, that seemed to be leading the way. And now they seem to be mortgaging off that future for this season. It, As I say, you can understand from the perspective of business why they're yeah. trying to do this. But for you as fans... As much as these are exciting players to come in, surely you are a little bit more thinking about the future, maybe, than these owners and uh, current board who may not be there in four or five years. I mean, this is the the famous talk in pro sports, right? The future, the future, the future, the future, right? And I understand what they're trying to do because they understand that they need the money now, especially with the stadium renovation that's coming. But man, we as you know, FC Barcelona, we are so lucky to have one of the best youth academies. And again, our crop of youngsters are not only really talented and world-class, but also cheap. I mean, that's just plain and simple. And this idea of not banking on that more, just especially for these two or three seasons, it fascinates me because to me, you're just mortgaging the future. Like you said, you're just selling off these percentages, uh, these TV rights, these commercial arms, like you said, and I don't know if you heard about this, Mo, but one of the things that's come up now is that they're basically selling these shares to made-up companies that they're discovering that Barcelona have made up so that they can get these players registered. And so it's it's this incredible uh, scheme. It's almost like a Ponzi scheme that's happening. And the more that you try to understand it, wrap your head around it, I just can't fathom it because as an American, you know, I'm so used to having everything transparent with salary caps and salaries. And when you go on Twitter and see what's going on, I, it, it, the rumors is crazy, but also this idea of, are we going to be able to sign players this weekend for the start of La Liga? Who knows? I don't think we're going to. And more importantly, like, like you said, as a fan, I'm, I'm a fan for life. Right. And I understand we're going to have moments of, of, you know, 
amazing uh, success, but also there's going to be lulls. That's the, that's what happens in pro sports. And I thought this was the moment, especially letting Messi go, that we can say, okay, look, we're going to bank on the youth. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, just be really pragmatic about not selling the future. You know, that's, that's to me, I mean, they're really banking on not having another pandemic and just continuing making money like they did before, because that's ultimately what, what derailed this whole situation. We would have never found out if COVID didn't happen because we would have kept spending at such an astronomical rate and making money hand over fist that we, they would have just hidden from us. So, you know, COVID happens, we find out all this and now it's, you know, it's everyone else's fault except this board's fault. Hmm. It's a really interesting point about COVID actually, because there are lots of things that we've now in the post COVID landscape kind of taken for granted. And that was one of the things where, like you say, there would have been a very different scenario within it. Something else that I think we should talk about around Barcelona and money is this kind of idea of the Super League, which is still kind of holding out because Barcelona kind of went all in on the Super League because for those who don't know, uh, there was a separate deal uh, with a credit company, uh, CVC, that covers La Liga TV rights. So I believe it's something like 400 million goes to each club who signed up. And the only three clubs who didn't sign up were Real Madrid, Barcelona and Athletic Bilbao. Now, at the time, ironically enough, there was a Barcelona quote that came out that said that it was an illegal transaction that causes irreparable damage to Spanish football. And yet they are doing exactly the same thing. How does that work? I mean, yeah, I, Mo, I'm, I'm just, you know, the idea that, you know, these quote unquote Super League teams cannot manage the finances at such at such a high rate is very troublesome you know and that they see the only way to do that is to go to a super league i don't want a super league i'm a i'm a romantic old school person the matches that get me fired up are the champions league matches when i see barcelona playing teams that we can't see on a weekly basis you know for example liverpool or bayern these type of teams i mean these these are my champions league memories you know the super league i you know i think obviously all these teams are looking just to make the most money but again Man, it's just, it's you know not only with the Super League, but what we're seeing with the salary cap in Spain, Barcelona has a lot of privilege, and unfortunately, they've been getting away with this for so long. And I thought they were going to be caught with their you know with their hand in the cookie jar to be able to say, okay, we're going to stop all this. But it doesn't seem like they care. They just know that money's around the corner, and they're just going to continue to spend and just take advantage of where they can. So, you know, with the Super League idea. If that comes to fruition, they're going to be at the forefront because they're going to be one of the leading teams to get all that money, right? They want all that money. That's all it's about now, you know? Uh, you know, as a fan of, of pro sports, I understand that idea. It's just weird to see this movement because I just thought they were getting enough money from Champions League and from all Liga, but apparently not. <laughs> no, apparently not. Apparently enough is not enough. I think when it yeah. comes to money in football, I think that's probably a fair thing. The thing as well with Barcelona, they seem to be making these moves to try and stay in the forefront of people's minds, to be on the, in the headlines. It's almost like the whole old maxim of any publicity is good publicity really seems to have taken hold there. And again, when you think about the idea of trying to keep themselves high in people's minds, trying to keep interactions high, trying to keep maybe sponsors happy these kind of big money moves the kind of particularly the likes of Lewandowski the moves are going to really move the needle so you can see from their perspective they've done that but was there not an argument to say that like you mentioned the new generation particularly with Xavi at the helm would have created just as many headlines and maybe more positive ones for sure I mean how good is your coaching you know that's that's a thing right I mean 
coaching at this level is about development and taking players to another level. And, you know, the talk online has been, oh, well, Chabi hasn't had a full preseason. Okay. Well, now he has that full preseason. And he also has, you know, quite a bit of new free signings that he wanted. And from what we see in the preseason, it looks to be uh, trending in the right direction. But, you know, I put this out too to our to our community on, on Barca Talk was, you know, this idea of every position being world-class and depth is, you know, like fantasy, you know, this thing, this idea, I remember, you know, many times with Barcelona's lineups, like you don't have to have world-class players at every position. That's a dream, obviously. And I think we were jaded because of this La Masia crop with Messi, you know, PK Busquets, that, that crop, because they were such world-class and they all came from La Masia. Now, again, with these players, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm so confused of how to feel because I just feel it's almost like we're just trying to band-aid the problem. And, I, you know, obviously if we win, Mo, I'm going to be happy about it. But at the same time, I'm a romantic person with my La Masia players and Arahu and players like this um, are the players I really get excited to watch. And obviously Pedri is not a full-on La Masia product, but he's up and comer. And I just let's bank on those young players, save money and go for it. And I would have been over the moon with that because that would have showed me that look, we're looking forward. We're being more conservative. We're trying to plan for the future as well. And in a couple of years, we're going to sign a player here and there, but we don't need to get every world-class player. You know, that is always, you know, it's just like fantasy, you know, basketball or football, you know, all these, everyone wants to have a world-class elite players at every position, but it's impossible, especially in this day, you try to make the best team. You know, I'm, I'm, looking forward to the players that we sign, but at the same time, I'm apprehensive because I know what that cost. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, we'll get on to the, the specifics of the players and what they can bring if they get on the pitch first. But I want to talk about not one of the younger La Masia guys, one of the older La Masia guys, and Gerard Piquet. Now, I think most <laughs> of us would recognise that this man has got enough money as it is. But um, as we've mentioned, he's taken a second pay deferral, not a pay yeah, cut, not a cut. Uh, in two seasons in order to help register some of his new teammates. And apparently Sergio Biscuits may well be asked to do similar. Now, the question I have about this, within the dressing room, particularly for someone like PK, when he did this last year, it was to sign uh, Memphis Depay, Eric Garcia oh. and Sergio Aguero. Now, obviously, in the Guerrero's case, it was quite tragic why he's not there. Sure. But Depay is probably on his way out. Garcia is going to be on the bench if he stays. I mean, surely the, the idea that he's doing all this and the players are coming in aren't really even doing much or moving the needle, surely that's going to cause some issues within that dressing room. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, okay. no, no, PK is an untouchable. And it's really hard to like not state this enough that he is an untouchable. Not only is he a La Masia product from Barcelona, Catalonia and all this stuff, but he is like, everyone loves him. Like he can do no wrong. I mean, maybe the one thing he did wrong was get divorced from Shakira, right? That, that is what everyone's, you well, know. That was... <laughs> without turning this into a very different show. Yes, he did. But I was more meaning in terms of, is he not going to get annoyed if these no. other players that come in no, no, no. aren't doing a thing. No, because PK's also other goal is to become the president of Barcelona in the future. And right. he's going to be able to leverage this idea for that, where he will say, I love the club more than anything, because back in you know, 2022 and COVID, I, I not only deferred my salary once, 
but twice, you know? And so he's going to be able to use that on campaigns going forward. His goal is to be the best president that Barcelona is going to ever have. And he's going to, he's using all these moments strategically to, to save them, to bank them. So people will always remember, mm-hmm. you know, he is nicknamed the Prezi, right? For president and for this idea, because everyone knows that he wants to be the president and he's just, you know, PK is so smart with this stuff. And not only with all the other endeavors that he has, but, you know, for him, this deferral is nothing. You know, we've been talking in our community that, you know, I would think it was time for PK to leave because I not only I just don't think he's a good enough captain. I think he has so many other interests that he is already kind of, you know, almost one foot out the door or one foot in the door and has half of body out the door with with what he wants to do with tennis and so forth. But again, Mo, I I just don't think it's going to hurt anything in the locker room. If anything, he's one of the last guys uh, that Chavi can really depend on bounce ideas with and and also have the vibe of the you know the good good time vibes in the locker room uh pk provides that so again his his goal is presidency and and he doesn't care right now well it's nice to hear that at least someone in barcelona is thinking about the long term (laughs) (laughs) okay so let's see if 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 all of um pk's uh, philanthropy is actually going to pay off so do you believe that we've obviously got this potential fourth economic lever, which mm-hmm. is about to be pulled and going to bring in more money? Do you believe that they will all be registered in time for the weekend? Or do you think no. there's going to have to be some difficult conversations? If you were Xavi, who would you be prioritizing in terms of if you can only register maybe two or three of them? Or maybe Conde. even just one? Yeah, the defender, Jules Conde, because to me, our defense is still in shambles. I think we can still put together an attack with anybody up there, you know, especially with Pedri playing and so forth. But I'm always looking right now to defense because I think Conde is such a special player to pair up with Arahu. We basically have two center backs now that are going to be world class for the next 10 years. And that is an incredible thing to look at. You know, as you guys know, with, with Van Dyke, you guys have a world class center back. They are so hard to find. And we've been so lucky in the last 20 years to just pick them off a tree, essentially, these world class center backs. And so I, for me, I would go with Conde, but I can see. Lewandowski being the number one priority because of the obviously with the goals and so forth but Mo really simply I just don't think they're going to be able to do this in time to register now obviously with the transfer window closing at the end of this month you know and it's also the first kind of dog days of the the first weeks in La Liga with the heat and so forth I think you know it's it's okay to not register those players but come September if we're still not registered then that's going to be a serious question of what we're going to be doing it is going to be a serious question and I mean obviously it feels like I'm trying to whip up the unrest in the Barca dressing room. And I, I'm not technically trying to do that. But we have seen, obviously, the treatment of um, Frank de Jong, we mentioned earlier. I think yeah. it's Daniel Titi. Uh, the, the recent um, friendly that you mentioned, Martin Brathwaite, a guy yeah. who came to Barcelona under, I think it's fair to say, maybe uh, external or um, extraneous circumstances. For it was sure. a special dispensation to sign him. But the team who were leaving him, who were in the relegation and got yeah. relegated, and got relegated uh, yeah. couldn't sign a replacement. So there's that already. And he was getting booed simply because he didn't want to leave. And I yeah. mean, with all the respect in the world, if you're Martin Brathwaite, any move from Barcelona is definitely downwards. So you can understand on a human level why he doesn't want to leave Barcelona. And then you have these new players coming in who are seeing how the last wave got treated. And you've got to wonder in your mind, are they thinking, is that going to happen to me? I mean, just going back to what we started off with, more than a club, right? I mean, this is the idea. Again, it's it's how you treat these players 
going forward. And it's not the top players. I'm talking about the middle of the road players, the under players, you know, that we just churn out like garbage, you know, and I hate that because that to me is irresponsible scouting and just throwing money at a problem, right? Now, you know, if we're a middle of the tier team, I'm just going to take like, let's say Valencia right now, right? Valencia needs to, to do everything they can to put a top tier 11 to compete at this level, right? And I think we are so privileged with this team to be able just to throw money out. With Martin Braithwaite, he did nothing wrong. I mean, what would you do? I would stay. I mean, if you're playing with Barcelona, playing, making this obscene amount of money, but you're not playing. Oh, well. You know, maybe the one thing is he has World Cup on his mind, so he wants to go somewhere where he wants to play. I get that. But again, it's not his fault. We basically plucked him from a team in the middle of the season, like you said, in a relegation. They eventually got relegated, and he could have added so much value to that team to stay in La Liga. And again, that's just karma. And again, these fans... It's really interesting because in these matches, it's always a conversation of how much percentage are tourists and how many percentage are actually socies, are actual ticket holders, season ticket holders of the team. Because, you know, with the stadium being so big and so who is actually booing, who doesn't know really about what's going on, because I would have not booed Mark Brayway. I, he came and helped us in for six months. He wasn't anything spectacular, but he came. And again, that whole situation, again, talk about privilege. We were able to do something in Leganes where unable to uh, fill that roster spot. So it's like, come on, you know, we can't, you know, I just believe it's bad karma with this situation. I hope we find a solution for him and get him to a team that he can actually play and want to agree to. Mm, I think that's fair. Now you yeah. mentioned before the kind of the signings and the strategy maybe seeming a little bit scattergun. Um, are there any of the new guys who've come in who you're a little bit perplexed about? Maybe you're wondering where they're or how they're going to fit in. No, not really. I mean, I, you know, I was still kind of up in the air with Rapinha because I just didn't know how he was going to take his game to the next level. But as we've seen in the preseason, he has performed really well, has really been plugged in play. And the other thing that we saw in Sunday's match, which, you know, I'm always pushing Mo for NBA style tactics coming into the world football field, you know, of being able to change on the fly we saw Dembele and Rapini on the wings, and they both interchanged during the match. Mm. That's kind of a really big deal because usually Dembele was either on the left or the right. And so if that's able to happen, we saw that there were moments where Rapini was on the left and he was really, really good. And then all of a sudden the defense was doing that. So those, those players uh, with those speed on the wings is going to be really exciting to link up with Lewandowski. And especially having someone that's going to be a converter up there is going to be huge. But Mo. Uh, mainly my biggest uh, player that I'm really excited about is Conde. I mean, to me, mm. this player is special. If Chavi wants to go three back, Conde or Rahu can go on the right side. I mean, how many center backs can do that? I mean, not many, you know, and they can interchange. So Conde, for his age and what he's done in Sevilla before, I, I was just looking at a quick stat because we had we were talking about this with uh, another person. He only had two yellow cards last season. I, mm. I was like, two yellow cards? That's that's incredible for a center back because he's physical. You know, he's yeah. not, he's not, he's not shy. And I also like his attitude. And that's something that we've been missing uh, ever since Puyol's left, essentially that kind of, you know, grit attitude, uh, someone that's going to get in the face of players to pull that out. And I think him and Arahu are just going to be, especially if Arahu can be injury free, it's going to be something really special for Pule's. Now, there were two other players. Well, there's more than two other players. Sure. We're going to talk about the whole Chelsea business, I suppose, because <laughs> they have been a very key partner in this particular, uh, key character in this particular soap. 
there may be more players coming to Barcelona. There's strong rumours around Marcus Alonso and, of course, Bernardo Silva. And for those of us of a Liverpool persuasion, there have been rumours around Trent Alexander-Arnold. Now, just without necessarily having any insider knowledge, gut feeling-wise, do you think that those three players will end up at Barca? Which of them, all of them, none of them? I would say the hottest one is probably Bernardo Silva, but the other two I would say no. Uh, I just think, we're, especially with this Frankie de Jong situation, again, I don't, we already have him on our team, and but there's a lot of heat coming with this Bernardo Silva rumors. Uh, again, it's it's really hard to tell who you can believe, but my gut feeling is the Bernardo Silva. With Trent and Mar- Marcos Alonso, I, I just don't see it, with, especially with Marcos Alonso. Again, I don't want Barcelona to be a retirement home for players to come before they go to MLS. You know, like I don't, we don't need this. Marcos Alonso does not excite me in any bit. He's really expensive. And more importantly, he's over 30 years old. And to me, that's just a bad investment right now at this moment for Barcelona. No, I think that's fair. And I don't know if you've heard, but Trent's really bad at defending at the back post. So you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't want him either. Trust me. It's fine. It's fine. Now, final question, Gab. Um, we should probably mention Real Madrid seeing as they won the league by 13 points and they won the Champions League, basically putting us both in a bad mood. Yeah. Do you think the moves you've made are enough to close that 13-point gap? We have to remember there was a 4-0 victory last season as well, which kind of set a few eyebrows raising. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so, especially just, just alone with the Lewandowski signing because that is going to give us more goals, especially earlier in the season to close that gap. I think I think there was a lot of opportunities at the beginning of the season where we didn't get those three points, and so that's what kind of created that gap. But it's quite interesting. You know, Real Madrid is being not talked about at all in the Spanish media, essentially. And when I first arrived in Spain, they were always the drama kings. You know, all this fighting going inside the... And now Barcelona has turned the tables on that. Madrid has been super quiet. They've made some really good signings, some two good signings, economic signings as well. They're not, you know, going over with the Galacticos as much anymore. But yeah, they're going to be a tough team, especially with some of their young, especially Kamavinga. That guy scares me. Uh, he really scares me coming up. He's young. But again, I think it's going to be a closer La Liga race. But again, in champions, who knows, Mo? Those, man, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, we were both in Paris and I was rooting hard for you guys. But again, Madrid has something special in Champions League. I don't know what it is because, like you said, Barcelona schooled them for nothing. I mean, made them look like like nothing, and then they just made this run in the Champions League. So, I think in La Liga it's going to be much tighter, and I still think there can be a formidable opponent as always in Champions League. No, that's fair. Although the interesting thing as well, what you were saying before about no one's talking about Real Madrid. There's some people in Barcelona's board who will say, "Job done." Regardless, yeah, 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 yeah. that was our main objective. So we'll have to wait and see how it pans out on the pitch. But Gab, genuinely, we could have spoken about this for hours. And I dare say, once this camera stops, you and I will continue speaking about (laughs) it for quite some time. But for now, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me as always, Mo. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.